2: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings, the old-school CoronaCast today. It's no longer called the CoronaCast, I'm just getting together with Davis Maddock to have one of our random chats. No plan, no schedule, just see where we end up on all of the topics of the conversation. What did we get through today? We got through Live Golf, uh, Saudi influence on sports, the streaming wars, how people consume social media, chat GPT, Daniel Craig, regional accents, In Tiger Woods, and onside kicks, and if the XFL version is better than what they have in the NFL. We talk about all of these things. So, reminder, again, to smash the like button, sub to Mayo Media Network, and honestly, these ones are more, I mean, obviously, you can watch them. Both of us are going to be on screen the entire time, but a good excuse to go subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, just go and lift some weights, or walk around, walk your dog, whatever it might be. It's one of those shows. All right, so sit back and enjoy.
1: Thank you. Thank you so been it's
3: been a while since we've done one of these. I was actually just going through and, uh, and looking at uh, the who's been on the show. I don't think we did one at all during the football season. So we're, uh, we're going to have a lot of ground to cover here, I think.
2: I think we did one during December. I'm not wrong. But I might be wrong,
3: man. That's going to be that's going to be bad on me if we did do one in December and, and I am wrong. Uh, no, no, December. All right. The The last one we did was October 26th. So it was during the season, but it's been a while.
2: Yeah. So we're, we're doing quarterly appearances now.
3: Quarterly is good. I mean, you know, the biggest thing that's happened in our lives since then is Thomas Peters did join the live tour. So we're uh, you know, we're 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 sad that he is unable to compete at the Honda Classic this weekend. Um, what a bummer, you know,
2: it, it kind of sucks. Although I had created a really nice betting opportunity, which was all over Twitter on Monday evening. I got in a little bit late, but right before the crash actually started that the the Range Goats Bubba's team on live, they were priced in the market. Uh, for the season long win, whatever it was, at like 33 sure. to 1. They were the second worst team in the odds market, but that was assuming like Hudson Swafford and like Kirk Pettit were going to be on their team. And that right. just turned out not to be the case. It's like Taylor Gooch and Thomas Peters now. So everyone hammered them at 33. I got in at 28, and I checked back this morning. It's like 10 to 1 now.
3: <laughs> All right. Good, good betting opportunity. I mean, I guess there are so on the live tour now. Is there anyone? left who is like a true no one like a, a henny duplice or chase kepka or is it all guys they poached from the pga tour
2: i think there's still i think there's like an all asian team from like the asian tour and japanese tour i think tani hara is the captain don't quote me on that i've, I've listen, i'm not a live expert i mean The fact that I follow a live golf account might make me in like the 0.001% of people who pay attention to golf. uh,
3: So I'm looking, there's still a ton of fucking huge nobodies. Like like guys you've never heard of. It's better than it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, so I have not watched this full swing documentary yet. I I'm just now getting into like off season television, but I mean, so I guess it's been out for six days now. Have you noticed any perceptible new new people following you more people listening to the show i mean has there been any sort of perceptible change for you as a result of this thing coming out
2: no not really i I just released an episode that's the first three episode recaps maybe we'll see although me raza and feinberg kind of shit on how crappy it was but
3: every review of it has been quite poor which actually sort of makes sense because golfers i would say are largely uninteresting unless you really know how to pick at them. Like, unless you really get into the like psychological nitty gritty of what it takes to have to, because being a golfer is insane, right? Like what it that meant? The mental strength it takes to be a golfer is actually insane, but it does lead to their um, interpersonal lives. Maybe not being that interesting.
2: Well, and they have so much to lose, right? Like there's going to be a tennis one coming out soon. I, I feel like it's going to be the same way. Like, there's the
3: tennis. The tennis one already has one season out.
2: No, I didn't see that. Was it? Was that any good?
3: No, I bad reviews too. I I think people said the Curious episode was pretty good, but I mean he like you could that guy is entertaining doing whatever.
2: Yeah, and golf has those personalities. Like I've only watched the first three. I, I hear the Joel Damon one is pretty good. Because uh, he's fun and like, what does he really have to lose? This is all just a big net win for him, just being included on this show. Like the first ones with Speeth and Justin Thomas. Like, could you pick more two boring guys to ever have on a TV show?
3: No, no one cares. Uh, Spieth is Speeth uh, I I said the same thing about Rory too. Like, someone was watching and was like, Davis, your boy Rory is like a total nothing in this, and I'm like, do you know how fucking rich and famous Rory McIlroy is? He's got absolutely nothing to gain from opening up or being personal here and so much to lose. And the same would be true of Spieth. The same would be true of JT. I actually bet Spieth and JT somewhere deep in there, if you really dug are actually probably interesting people with, uh, you know, rich interior lives who have lots of thoughts on, you know, all sorts of shit, philosophy, politics, whatever, but none of that is coming out in a documentary.
2: No, you see very brief glimpses of Thomas when he's on the range with his dad that you see like the petulant side and like the pissed off side of him come out for like 30 seconds. I was like, I want to spend more time with that guy because he seems like a real character. But just think about remember when he got caught hot, mic making homophobic remarks at the Tournament of Champions like two years ago, and then he lost three of his sponsors. Like what incentive do these guys have whatsoever to open up?
3: Yeah. Like, li- like literally, I mean, that is so that's so true for Justin Thomas. Like it was such a like, look, we have all been golfing and said some horrible swears. I'm not going to say we've all said racial or homophobic or whatever swears, but we've all been out there, missed a putt, miss hit a drive, whatever, and just unleash something we would not want our moms or grandmothers to hear. Right. It's just the as the nature of the way it goes. And that moment, I've probably for JT, that was like a huge crystallizing moment of like, I'm not giving these fuckers an inch um and and i so again i the drive to survive which is what this is all based off of people who are really familiar with f1 said you know sort of the same problem was in f1 which is the guy who wins everything max um for the 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 belgian guy dutch guy i i don't know it doesn't matter but apparently because he's so rich and famous and so successful he wins everything he gave nothing in those documentaries either and it was more the bottom tier guys who were like actually interesting. I didn't watch Just 5 either.
2: Yeah, I, I I didn't watch it, but I that was sort of my perception that it seemed to be a really big hit in the States where no one knew anything about F1 or who any of these guys were. So this, listen, the golf show might be really good to people who don't know anything about golf. Who, who,
3: who know nothing about the sport. Yeah. yeah,
2: like it's a great entryway. And that's why I think you see Spieth and Thomas wanting to be a part, like, there is cache and being a part of this, it increases your, you know, your Q brand. Although maybe like, you'd probably don't want to be like Tommy G Q brand, but like regular, like Q score is what I'm looking for. Although that yes. might like have a different name these days. Who knows?
3: Yeah. But, I, well, that's actually a good question. I wonder if they've been forced to change that,
2: but they, you get visibility from it and more visibility than you might previously have had with a brand new audience. So there is value to that. There's value to the sponsors within that if you're just more popular, if you pick up, hell, 200,000 more followers on Instagram, like that that's real money, which that translates into when you go to your branding deals and marketing deals, whatever it might be. I bet it's
3: even I bet it's even more than that for some of them too. Um, Maybe.
2: But like Brooks, people are shitting on Brooks. The Brooks episode is by far my favorite. And people are calling me crazy that I really like empathize with Brooks in this episode. They're like, Brooks is such a fucking jerk. It was like, no, I get it. I get where he's coming from. Uh, maybe that's just. Maybe I mean, Brooks-
3: the Brooks, the, the Brooks is a more human story about, um, you know, about like ego and what happens when egos are shattered or what happens when your your expectations of yes. yourself change. Right. Because Brooks is Brooks's expectation of himself is I'm the fucking greatest. No one can beat me. When I really try, I'm better than DJ, I'm better than Rory, I'm better than all these guys. And then when you find out that that's not true about yourself, that's like a really shattering moment and and basically i don't it's like impossible to rebuild like i would bet brooks is never good at golf again probably
2: oh see i don't know that i i think that because i had kind of made the case that like something obviously i wasn't brooks I wasn't the best in the world at anything but I, i think you see like micro versions of this exist within you know probably everyone knows someone like that i was the person like that that people knew that full of arrogance full of ego basically didn't try anything and was awesome at it and then you get to a certain point of your life where that doesn't work anymore and you literally have no skills to cope with that. And just you always expect to be great at everything. And then all of a sudden you're just the fucking worst at everything. And like it's a real,
3: it's a real gifted kid thing. Like yeah. a lot of like you, you know, you're really smart. You don't have to try it all in high school. And then you get to college and you, you get to professors- college and
2: then people slap you in the face with like, Oh shit. Like now I do I, I don't even know how to try, let alone yeah. like I just used to show up and be like, Yep, we're good. See you later. And I felt like Brooks, I mean, Brooks was a grinder. I think that people forget about that, that, you know, he wasn't the best guy on his college team. He went over to Europe to Well, He was one of the first guys
3: League. to to go over and go get points on the Euro tour. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He, I mean, he played Challenger Tour for a while over in Europe instead of going Corn Ferry. And then he gained enough points to start getting PGA invites. So it was a very unusual path. Griot had done the same thing, I believe. But I think he ended up Corn Ferry as well at some point before winning the Fries in his first ever PGA start. And it's been, you know relatively good i suppose for him moving forward but then he gets built up this guy who wins four majors in two years he legit seems unbeatable at the tournaments that people care about like that was always the thing when betting brooks right like yeah you don't want to bet him at the american express at 20 to 1 you want to bet him at the not the masters but like the us open at 18 to 1 or something crazy because whatever it was with him when the best players were around he was the best of the best players when they all competed with each other. And he didn't seem to give a shit about the other ones. That was like practice rounds for him. But now he's in this strange place where he just, it really comes through to me at least that he doesn't know what to do. And he's trying to talk through it, talking about his ego, talking about his confidence, talking about practicing a ton, all the stuff you would never hear Brooks talk about. And just, uh, the thing is it doesn't go deep enough. Like there's a Poulter episode, number three about Liv And it's it's just such surface level stuff. Like, you know, Poulter has some things to say. And someone had made mention to me. It's like, well, they don't want to pump up Poulter too much because he's not coming back. It's like, who cares? Let him flame them then. Uh, I'm sure the PGA would step in and say, hey, we don't want these things said about us. But listen, it's a guy like Poulter. He loves to speak his mind. And he spoke it a little bit, but we never really got the real reason. Like, it it just ended with him joining Live.
3: Well, I mean, the real reason is money. Money. So how, yeah. yeah which is i guess like interesting to a certain degree to just see because you're right i mean uh, so many of the live guys uh i oh, shit there was one guy harold varner harold varner was the one who in his statement was like guys this is literally generational wealth for my family my fucking great grandkids are gonna grow up in a better world that that i'm doing this so i'm out you know but most of these guys i would say what 80 of them have been you know oh i can't wait to join smash gc or or uh yeah it's a great opportunity or i don't want to play that much or i don't like to travel it's just it's all it's like which is i mean again that's such a huge part of our society is lying for like pr related reasons um i mean they're but, probably
2: contractually obligated to do this stuff that's part part of the deal
3: yeah i mean that's kind of interesting like it's so what's so interesting about the lib stuff is everyone I don't really know anyone who likes it. I I've yet to encounter someone in real life who's like, oh fucking lived it. I watch it every weekend. It's awesome. Yeah, can't wait to root on the hot rods golf team or whatever. But you know the the Saudis and the Qataris are are already doing this in the biggest sport in the world. And there's not really any pushback at all. I mean, it's like very small, right? In in uh, inter- in soccer.
2: And, and I think that's because I mean that we. I mean, I don't know all the details on how this works in soccer, but I do know that they were trying to start like a Saudi-only league. I think they were trying to get Messi, but he ended up staying at like P ninety X or whatever in France or whatever team he plays for. But it's not just that they have their own super league that they want to pay all these, like, I mean, it's no, it's funny that the Saudi Arabian soccer strategy, at least to me, kind of seems like what the MLS does, where it's like, yeah, we have this league. And then like every two years, we're going to pay some guy who was awesome. 10 years ago, $200 million to come play in the MLS.
3: Well, they do kind of do that, but the smarter thing they've done is basically they've just come into these institutions that already exist and and just buy them. Yeah. It would be like, it would be like if the Saudis had came in and just said, uh, all right, PGA Tour, we'll give you $17 billion, and we're going to buy all these golf courses, and we're going just, we're just going to buy you out of this instead of competing with you, basically.
2: Yeah, I guess in golf, it would work like maybe that they had some sort of company that almost like RBCs, because RBC has heritage and one of the yeah. other events that just whatever company, it wouldn't be like the Saudi Arabia classic or something like that but whatever they wanted to have as their front and coming as the title sponsor on a lot of these things and i i actually don't think people would have cared all that much just like like which do is, people do people care is, in soccer that saudis own the team don't like russian oligarchs also own teams like isn't that just kind well, of that expected was a that was big thing they, they
3: all they all got kicked out during yeah. the when the war in ukraine started they all got kicked out i mean i would say people people care in the way that like, people care about shit on Twitter, right? Like, like you and I, we can be on Twitter and we can see people talking about uh, these rail disasters in East Palestine, Ohio, and we're like, holy shit, this is terrible. Like, Pete Buttigieg and, and Joe Biden are just lying to us. The papers are not talking about it. This is a huge problem. But then if you or I went to the corner store or the bar or whatever, and we're like, you see this shit that's happening in Ohio? No one would know, and no one would care. I would compare it very similarly. We're like... People who are really online are like, it's not good that Qatar owns all these big teams and are spending $4 billion, but you go to the pub in London and they're like, what do you think about Saudi Arabia buying Newcastle? And they're like, what do you mean, mate? My, my team is better. My team has better players. That's all I care about.
2: So I think that's where the divide comes in because that can't happen in golf because golf is always going to get pinned on the individual for making the choice to go and play because it's an individual sport. It'd be like if there was like a Saudi tennis super league. Like that's why tennis and golf work so much hand in hand just being individual sports. When it's a team sport, you can kind of pass the buck off on the team, not necessarily the player. That's why I thought it was interesting that they wanted to bring in, like I do think it would be different if there was like the Saudi Arabian league and they're paying you know, someone like Messi two hundred million dollars a year to go play in their league. Then there would be blowback on Messi to an extent, I suppose, where there seems to be a shield if you just own a franchise.
3: Well, I mean, Ronaldo is in plays in Saudi Arabia now. He plays for Al Nassir or whatever, and is making something crazy, like two hundred million dollars a year or whatever. Um, didn't guys do and- this?
2: In, didn't guys do this in China like ten years ago too?
3: Yeah, they did, and then the Chinese government um, outlawed it basically because it was like there was like too much like Western influence in their culture or whatever. Like basically, like they like changed the salary structure, of the league, so they couldn't do it anymore. Which I I guess in soccer, um, I don't know, I hadn't really thought about that parallel, but yeah, it's like like yeah, the the Luke Donald of soccer used to be able to go to China, and you know the the 175th best player in the world used to be able to go to China and make twenty times more money than they would have made. But maybe maybe it matters less in soccer just because there's so many fucking soccer players, right? It's, there's just less emphasis on each individual guy.
2: Yeah, so a lot of the outrage with Liv, I really do think comes from like hard O PGA people. Like this is making the PGA Tour worse.
3: Yeah, and that's what is- I don't like about it. I, I it, it sucks that, that Dustin is not at the Riv, you know?
2: That sucks. You, you know what? Phil was right. I think this kind of worked out for the better. In, in what context? So these super fields that we're getting, these designated events, and having the PGA Tour have to go all in on like six tournaments a year. Not, not withstanding majors, majors aside, because everyone can play in those. But listen, golf is going to air every single week anyway, and the people who care are going to care. The, the
3: nerds and, are going to watch anyways, but the people who are are maybe, maybe I'll watch, maybe I won't. They're like, oh, shit. Rom, Scheffler, and Rory are all tied going into Sunday morning. I'm going to watch this this afternoon. Yeah,
2: exactly. So if you know that you're not getting an audience outside of the majors anyway, does it make sense to have six of these super fields with your guys? that are worth like five times as much money as any other event to guarantee that you get them there. And they're obligated to play in, they can only miss one throughout the course of the year. And you can have this on a rotation of courses every single year. And you can figure out which programming works better for you and how to space them out. Cause they're really jamming them full right now. Like we just had Riviera and Phoenix, both elevated events. And I would wager that it really worked out. Look at those leaderboards on Sunday. That's the who's who of who you wanted to see if you tuned in. No, I mean, and, and
3: I was very like, I was pretty surprised at how strong it was. Like, just pulling up the Osborne, I was like, that's actually insane for this to be happening on like, a random week in February. And it feels, um, it felt like a little bit of a miss, though, that Pebble, that the field that Pebble was so shitty the week that the NFL was off. Cause don't you think they could have just fucking crushed TV that weekend had that field been at Pebble?
2: Maybe. I think there is something to you capitalizing on that week when football is off. And this is where the live problem comes in. You're seeing it this week with the Honda. You saw it. I mean, Pebble was already having the problem, but Pebble already had a problem of dealing with live because the Saudi international is exactly that same week. And all the guys that went and played on live, just went over and played Saudi Arabia for 5 million bucks rather than play Pebble beach anyway. So you weren't getting the the cream of the crop going to Pebble, which is unfortunate because that's an amazing venue. uh, And one that everyone knows, like that seems to be, it's a a a
3: great venue, but the tournament's always shit because of the long rounds and no one wants to play and the pro-am and the cameras. It's it's, it's which feels like, again, like the PGA tour should just figure that out and make it not that way.
2: I mean, the pro-am part of it now is like really the only defining feature of it. Like if you had a super strong field, I don't think that the pro-am would matter at all. That people yeah. wouldn't care that the rounds were longer. It's like, hey, more TV with Rom and Rory. But those guys just simply aren't. What, what would be any incentive to go play in the Pebble Beach pro-am? Uh, when well, that's the next... that's
3: so that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that those guys don't want to go play a six hour round with, you know, the CEO of fucking Boeing asking them swing tips
2: sure but what we're seeing now is that like for the honda classic keith mitchell has won this event before he's not playing this week sam Ryder, who could potentially have got his first career win at this event playing great golf great course history you know he he played well at tory he played well at genesis last week you know he probably made more money coming in like 10th or sorry third and 20th and he would like winning the honda classic he just he's like yeah i'm not playing it there's another 20 million dollar purse next week and then it's the players like i need an off week they and without live like usually like the field of the honda would have six good play like six good players in it not Ron rory and those guys
3: i feel like rory actually did used to play this one
2: well i mean tiger used to play it too the honda classic used to be like but riv wasn't always a thing
3: right okay
2: and this would be the start of the Florida swing. Everyone would want to get acclimated with Florida. And there used to be Mexico as a border in between Riviera and Florida. That would be like the one. It was a WGC, but not everyone really played it. Uh, and this oh, that be- was
3: the that was the one that that Bryson had the the track man, you know, had the the simulate. I okay, I'm remembering this now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah to figure out the elevated distance. Uh, is there
3: is there a Bryson episode of this of this show?
2: Is I, I don't think it? so.
3: I mean that feels like a huge miss because he does not care. That dude, that dude will say whatever. Um, and I, I vacillated on Bryson. Like I used to be like the most pro Bryson guy back when he was interesting, and then he, that I, I and then I was kind of out of it. And then the long drive stuff came, and I was like, this is fascinating. Like this dude is pushing the boundaries of what golf is capable of. And now he is like the most annoying guy in golf. Like probably the singular most annoying. But he's probably the most interesting
2: guy overall, right? Oh, 100%. And I still think that he's interesting. I still like Bryce. I mean, just because he's on live, you don't hear about him at all.
3: Yeah. And I honestly, I am sort of surprised that he was the genre of guy who felt the call of the money. I don't know. It is, it is Maybe maybe not because I think it became clear over time that he was very, very conservative and right wing in his personal views, which is it, like whatever. Is, is, guess... that, is that true? I, I mean, it just it it's we don't really know, you know, we because well, we don't know so well, much about these how guys. How about but... this?
2: Let, let me throw this out to you. Um yeah. In terms of conservative politics and conservatism in general, how much of the PGA Tour would you believe is conservative? If I said it at eighty five percent, would you take the over or under?
3: I was going to say eighty seemed like
2: the right number to me. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, I mean, that's part and parcel with. Playing golf, really? Yeah, like that's, no, it it's it, it the audience.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Um, Bryson, I guess, like that, you just that would have never been my first thought about. Honestly, I would have kind of just assumed Bryson was sort of like an apolitical type guy. See, because, I, see
2: I still would think that. Like, I've seen nothing from Bryson to indicate one way or another.
3: Oh uh, well, I mean, again, you know, it, it's how much of this stuff can you believe? But he's, uh, you know, played a bunch of golf with Trump, gone to Trump like dinner. Of, and maybe, maybe he just fucking loves Trump. I don't know. Maybe Or, that's or may, maybe. maybe he's
2: like, "Hey, I get to play golf with a former president. I don't really give a shit who it is." I think there are people in that camp that still respect the office enough to be like, "Hey, this Tiger wouldn't accept accepted some medal from Trump too." But no one. Tiger actually does seem like the most apolitical person, but you know he's super conservative.
3: Yeah, and I mean, also there was—I'm just remembering this now. There was this. Uh, there was this Slate article um, from back in the day that called him. Uh, a Trump lover, and, and so this is the quote: He's closely aligned himself with the Trump family, Trump golf partner, um, and just like basically, I, I, and again, this is like mainstream media type stuff. So how how true is it or not? This is just this is just what I'm remembering.
2: Yeah, and I I would I mean I, I'm. Listen, I, I don't care either way, to be perfectly honest with you. That's just not. Yeah, I don't, I don't really. I don't really. Either, but you, to you have to remember that. I mean, Poulter kind of expressed this a lot in the episode that he did. But what is the one motivating factor for almost every golfer? Money. Money. And like if you align yourself with Trump who's you know he wants to cut taxes he wants to give all he wants to give tax breaks to everyone especially probably if you're a pro golfer and even just being aligned with yeah him. He, Tr- probably, Trump
3: probably Trump probably was like we should put in a special thing that all professional golf winnings are taxed at zero percent you know
2: yeah, <laughs> so, yeah I yeah, mean I yeah, still not, find not Bryce the craziest per, like politics aside like just being a person to align yourself with if you don't care about optics anyway it seems like you'd be a good person to align yourself with if you were prof- like, what What other president loves golf this much? I think they all play golf. Like I was, I hey, was, Trump I loves golf. He owns golf courses.
3: He does. I, I, uh, I got Brian Hooper on this one the other day. If you had to guess how many rounds of golf do you think Biden has played? Like a fit, like registered rounds of golf he's played since he's been in office. I was actually surprised by this.
2: I mean, dude's what? 80.
3: I think he's even, oh shit. He might even be older than that.
2: I don't know. It's, it's either deceptively high or like yeah, zero he's because he's too fucking old.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's deceptively high. He's played like like 10 registered rounds of golf in like the last year, which like seems crazy high to me. I would have guessed zero. My that guess. Seems
2: cra- that seems crazy low. Wasn't Trump playing like every day?
3: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, different people take different uh, approaches towards being. Pre- I mean, fuck, I don't know. He, his body probably can't do it. Like like walking the golf course is probably very hard for 80 year old Joe Biden.
2: Yeah, I mean, t- talking while standing seems to be a real problem. I can't imagine talking while walking.
3: Well, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I I just I thought the number would be zero about the Biden golfing number. And apparently Obama played a bunch of golf, too, which just feels like at, at a certain point, these guys are just doing bits. Like they're just like, they're, you know, it's like I'm a president, so I have to play these rounds of golf.
2: Yeah, but you know, I disagree. Like. Because, I mean, a part of it is, I mean, playing golf, especially being an older person. Now, Obama's not in the same you know, two generations removed from those guys. right? But, like, what can you really do as president in order yeah. to stay somewhat active? golf seems like the perfect choice you're in a completely secluded area you're fenced off anyway it's probably super easy to get your security personnel in and if you do have to go talk to people from across the world especially you know high-ranking people who generally come from a ton of money what do they probably do play golf yeah they want to golf like it's i mean it's what we're gonna throw the football around with the japanese prime minister
3: yeah like what are you gonna you you and putin gonna go shoot hoops or whatever yeah Yeah, but
2: but they probably all golf i mean putin probably doesn't but you know most probably do
3: that's a good question does vladimir putin, what is vladimir putin's handcuff or handicap
2: i don't know he, he he plays hockey
3: yeah yeah he he rides horses he does all sorts of it is all sorts of shit yeah I, I i mean that's probably a more western world type thing putin would actually probably say that golf is soft that like real men real men like hunt wild boars or something instead that golf yeah, is too he, feminine
2: he like, just think about the prevalence of golf in almost any Commonwealth country there is, which, you know, does explain, like, even in Canada, you know, a high percentage of Canadians' golf, a high percentage of Australians' golf, a high percentage of South Africans' golf. You're seeing golf kind of boom in India at the moment. So, you know, anywhere where Britain really had, you know, a hold on things for a long time. Golf and cricket tend to be two things. that. I was going to say, is
3: is cricket big in Canada? Do people no. play cricket there?
2: Uh, crick, cr- I mean, cricket was big when I lived in Toronto, just because there's a really high uh, Indian and Pakistani population in downtown Toronto. So you see a lot of the parks, people are playing cricket on it. You know, one one side's playing softball, the other side is playing cricket. But you know, where I'm at right now, don't see a ton of it.
3: Can you explain the rules of cricket to me? Like no. what... Yeah, it doesn't make any sense.
2: I think it's like it, it's like baseball,
3: but it's you can keep like, batting.
2: You can keep batting until you get out.
3: <laughs> that's what. So that's the part that's never made sense to me. Is people talk about like because uh, like I I listen to a lot of British podcasts. Oh, uh, what are you torturing yourself? Hello, let's talk I some just, cricket. I just find Brit. I think I just. I think the British accent just sounds more intelligent to me. You know what I mean. Um, so I like
2: I, see I, I wonder about that, because I'm the same way. And I think that's the way that we look at it in North America, because it's so different. It sounds so but I mean, there are levels of British accents. Like you can tell people who went to some sort of like refined school. And yeah, like, yeah. The,
3: you don't you don't want the Scouser accent or the or the, you know, the the industrial but, London accent you want Oxford you want um like even even north northern england the geordie accent sounds more intelligent but yeah Yeah, i don't
2: know as someone who's watched a lot of geordie shore in my day i don't know about that
3: (laughs) maybe it's because one of my favorite writers is is from sunderland is from northern england so i just associate that with intelligence
2: but but it's it's funny because i mean you it's not intelligence whatsoever it's like my grandfather was a great example of this. who has a very thick Newfoundland accent. Like you can barely understand. What, what is said. What What
3: is a Newfoundland accent sound like? Is it like Norse almost?
2: Yeah. It's like super drunk Irish.
3: But <laughs> I'm going to look up a video of this when we're done. That's fascinating.
2: Yeah. it's it, But it's all grammar. Like I know people from like, the majority of people I know from Newfoundland where about one half of my family is from all have this very particular accent and it's really hard to make them out. They have certain sayings, the the way that they put S's on everything and don't pronounce the word H for reasons unknown. But then I have a couple of people that I've met throughout the years, either in college or afterwards working in the industry and they have no discernible accent whatsoever because every accent is just grammar. That's all it is. If you have, because people ask me all the time, like where I'm from, people have huge regional accents. I don't. I went to broadcasting school. I had that beat out of me. And most people that I grew up with, the accent wasn't prevalent whatsoever. But, you know, you walk around town and you go downtown or if you get fucked like two drinks into me, it starts coming out a little bit. But again, it's just dropping letters, you know, combining words together. That's all accents really are. It's It's not really an inflection in your voice. It's just how you string the words together.
3: I guess I've never... I've never really thought of it that way, but you're, you're right. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny too, how so, uh, you know, intelligence becomes associated with that, like a Southern American accent. Like there's not a less intelligent sounding accent in the world. You know, you, you go, it's like, well, there's this great, I forget whose bit this is, but there's this great comedy joke of like, you just are not gonna have that much confidence going in to brain surgery. And the the doctor is is telling you, like, all right, so now what we're gonna do is we're gonna cut your head open. And you're just like you're even if this guy could be the most accomplished plastic surgeon or most accomplished brain surgeon in the world, you're not going for it.
2: I mean, that's also a location bias as well, isn't it? Because I mean, you're oh, not even a time. northerner, you're a midwesterner. But like I hear people from Chicago and people from Minnesota, and like, I you don't know, sound kind of slow.
3: Yeah, well the the Minnesota the Minnesotan in particular is is yeah it's grading and it is it is real slow but that is the thing. But, I mean it but, in but the United States.
2: To, but you, you yeah. get to know the people from like these people that I know from Chicago and Minnesota who have like this regional dialect. Super sharp people. Like sure. But that, that that's the whole that's the whole point to bring it back to my grandfather. Like he has like the Newfoundland accent is the biggest like quote unquote moron accent you can have in Canada. And where I'm from is probably second worst uh, when it comes to the rest of the country thinking you're an idiot because you sound like you're from the complete middle of nowhere uh, in this part of the country. But he used to use that to his advantage in like negotiations all the time because people assumed he was really stupid and it turned out he was super sharp and he would just fleece people in negotiations.
3: That's, that's, uh, I mean, that's pretty interesting. That's, that's actually, that's actually cool. That's like, um, I mean, you could you could use that if you were a, if you were a con man, you could you could use that information but, to your but advantage. But
2: it, wor- it, it works especially level. Uh, it works especially well at a professional level, and I think that's why you see a lot of Southern businessmen do really really well. Because when you get into you now, if you're, I, I listen, you're some Atlanta lawyer or something like that, and you have a bit of that twang or a bit the, of the small
3: twang. town country lawyer with the suspenders, yeah
2: who turns out to be like the sharpest person in the room. And they're in with a bunch of eggheads who went to Yale and Harvard. Not to say that they're dumb, but they have this bias towards this accent right. where, oh, no, I'm going to take advantage sure. of this guy. Yes. And the moment you think that you're taking advantage of someone, there's a good you're, chance you're that you might be the sucker.
3: Yeah. Speaking of English accents, I uh, have you seen Glass Onion? I have. I watched that over Christmas. Dude, Daniel Craig... He's just so good in everything, man. I just, am, I'm like this guy's. I, I'm just realizing now as I get into my my older age, like this dude is just an unbelievably good actor. He's so good in all the James Bonds, and he is so fucking good in Knives Out and Glass Onion.
2: Did Did you like Glass Onion more than Knives Out? No,
3: no, so you- I didn't because I I had a hard time taking myself out of the very obvious real world commentary.
2: You know what I mean? Yeah, but it was done like it it was supposed to be obvious. And that's yeah, yeah. sort of the farce of it all. I mean, listen, I think that Knives Out's a way better movie. But I think if I was to re-watch one of them again, I'd rewatch Glass Onion.
3: Well, the Glass Onion becomes more interesting in the rewatch once you know the twist. Um, but even
2: if you don't know the twist, like it's just it's a better hang than Knives Out was. Like Knives Out was so predicated on hey what is going on here and once you know it's like oh that's great like that that was a great movie we can move on like you basically know what's going on in glass onion after 15 minutes and like that doesn't really matter you're just there to hang with the characters
3: i actually i think that i think that's right i think the the hang is but i i just love murder mysteries where it's like you know, secluded island, what, you know, old house or what, you know, Agatha the like I've like crushed a bunch of Agatha Christie books. Like I love I love that shit. So it was right up my alley. I thought uh, it was really
2: good. You, you need to be like my wife and subscribe to BritBox because all they have are old-timey murder mysteries from English countrysides.
3: Is this, is the like this is like a subscription box for books or is this no, like no, a it's, it's, streaming it's just a channel?
2: It's just British TV, like old British TV, new British TV. It's It's probably an add-on to Amazon Prime. I think that's how we get it. We get it through Amazon Prime. It's another like six bucks a month or something. But just just binging those shows, not me.
3: Anecdotally, something I've I've learned via listening to these British podcasts, like history and soccer and stuff, is that uh, these people to this day, like the primary thing they watch on British TV, is like very dark murder detective mystery fiction. It's still like the number one thing on British television. Yeah, and there's I like mean, a the, new one like every month.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you even see some big names go through that kind of thing. Like, uh, fuck, is it Robbie Coltrane? I think he just died, but he did Cracker. Uh, I think it was a BBC. Uh, Idris Elba did Luther, which was awesome. Like just these short... I Maybe mean, you can get away with producing all this content because the seasons in Britain are like four episodes.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and they call them series. It's the 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 season, is that's always weird to me.
2: Do, do you have a favorite Daniel Craig like performance? I mean
3: favorite favorite Daniel Craig performance is the last bond I think probably Really? I thought yeah. Yeah. I thought I thought he was so good. Well, I mean he's like that's like a, an insanely good performance, but the 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 shock of seeing him in Knives Out the first time and hearing that accent come out of him and and all the mannerisms. I mean, it's it's sort of it's sort of like unbelievable that 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 man could do that performance
2: i'm just i'm just gonna go look through his imdb like i mean the best i mean the best craig bond and the best bond is in best craig is in bond is skyfall like those, yes. two th- those two things go hand in hand it's not the last one the last one wasn't very good the last two weren't very good
3: uh no i thought i thought no time to die was was really good but no
2: time to die was just skyfall but worse i don't
3: know i can't i guess i Man, I hadn't seen Skyfall. I don't remember it being. I remember my. Well, maybe it was because I went to go see No Time to Die. No Time to Die was the first movie I'd seen in theaters since Me too. COVID. And I think maybe I was just so stoked to be at a movie. Maybe it was, maybe I just had like a better attitude sort of coming into it or whatever. But I also, uh, spoiler alert, I remember being pretty taken aback by their decision at the end of that movie to. Fucking kill James Bond. James Bond doesn't die, bro. And I and I know you know the the Bond hardos are gonna be so like, oh, Bond doesn't die. Bond, you know, he always he always finds a way. But I thought that was a pretty crazy artistic choice to make.
2: Yeah, and I I mean Daniel Craig probably wrote that in because he didn't want to come back. He does. He
3: doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I actually think he's like my favorite Daniel Craig movie, favorite Daniel Craig performance. I mean, you could probably say Munich for both those answers, but. I thought that Layer Cake was awesome. And it's the reason he got Bond in the first place. And I felt like it was I mean Skyfall is really good, Casino Royale is really good. Casino Royale is really good. I really don't hate Quantum of Solace like other people do. I thought it was fine. Uh but Layer Cake is the one that you look to be like, "Okay, I can see how this guy is going to be Bond, but I just thought that was just a better movie."
3: I haven't seen Layer Cake. Is it is it worth going back to? Is it it oh. came out came out in 2004. Is it, is it hold
2: up? I mean, I haven't seen it probably in five years or so. It's like him, Sienna Miller, Tom Hardy, they're all in it. And he's playing like bad guy Bond, but he's not really, he's a good guy who's a bad guy, but he's Bondish.
3: I mean, you can't really, you can't really go wrong with Tom Hardy and, uh, and Daniel Craig. You know what movie came up the other day in, in conversation that you and I and Peter watched together was owning Mahoney. Um, which I had kind of forgotten that we did that show for in, in the the fucking depths of a pandemic.
2: People should go to Mayo media network and watch the one and only episode of gambling movie book movie club, where we did me, you and Pete did owning Mahoney.
3: (laughs) How is that the only one? I thought that, I mean, Oh, first of all, owning Mahoney. uh, It just so closely resembles a feeling that every serious gambler has had, which is, The only thing I need is just to keep winning enough to keep losing. You know, so many of us are so familiar with that feeling. But how is that the only one you've done? There are so many great gambling movies.
2: Well, I think that we were going to do California split after that. And then the pandemic stopped like like sports returned.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, once once, we're really hurting
2: for content there for a while, if you recall.
3: Oh, man. I mean, boy, I they just, you know, there was waking up at six o'clock in the morning to or, or three o'clock in the morning to check Australian League soccer scores. I I remember it was real. What a fucking crazy time that was.
2: That was actually the most like I wouldn't say the most profitable time, but the best time for the Pat Mayo experience and Mayo Media Network. Because everyone just stopped doing shows.
3: Everyone stopped doing content. Yeah.
2: And then, then we started doing like five days a week and people were like, I need something to watch. <laughs> That's new.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I did. I did the same thing. I think I was doing three episodes of the show a week then because I was like, what the fuck else do I have to do?
2: You know? And then golf was the first thing really like UFC was around. So that helped us out. We didn't really do any NASCAR, but then golf was like the first major sport back. Like that was a huge boost for me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the match coming back. That was huge. then. the the Michael Jordan documentary. The what a what a what a fortuitous timing that was. Then the the uh, the Jordan documentary dropped when it did.
2: Yeah, Last Dance. Remember how big Tiger King got? Oh my fucking
3: god! Yeah, I do. I I think they made a sequel to this show.
2: Yeah, I watched um, part of it. It was not good.
3: I mean, I don't think probably the the original Tiger King was not that good. I think we just all sort of it's just a moment in time.
2: I think that there was a, yes, it was something that was new, but you can't over, like, no matter whether a documentary is good or bad, having Joe Exotic at the center of it, like, that charismatic as a weirdo personality that, like, no one had ever really seen before is a huge draw for any doc. Like, if you're making any documentary, that's the type of character that you want that has that kind of charisma and is just completely fucked up.
3: What what ended up happening to him? Did he did jail. he die? He's, he's still in jail. in jail. Trump. I thought Trump pardoned him.
2: No, Trump didn't pardon him.
3: Wow, that feels like a huge upset. Feels like Trump would have fucking loved to have been the guy who got Joe Exotic out of jail.
2: Yeah, but that dropped when Trump was still president. So I don't know. But he's watching too much news. He's not turned on Netflix and watching Tiger King. Probably not.
3: I mean, his, I don't know, does his kid or his wife or whatever watch? I just, I don't know. Feels like, feels like uh his, um his criminal son. What's his Kushner? Kushner should, Kushner should have been plugged in enough to be like, this'll be great for you. This'll be a huge, this'll be big for your Q score.
2: I mean, his Q score is pretty high anyway.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it probably is. Have you, have you been out to hit yet? Have you been, you've been golfing? Is it warm enough there yet? Uh, uh, the courses
2: aren't open but yeah we've had a really mild winter it's been really awesome actually but i, I was in vegas this past weekend for fsga so i went to top golf with peter Shanky and jeff erickson
3: I had to go were you hitting were you hitting bombs
2: hitting a few bombs uh, it took me well i hadn't swung a club in fuck, five months or something like that so it took yep. me a few few goes a few warm-up swings few balls uh just kind of shank to get my bit of my rhythm back but yeah i, I bombed a few drives it's un- it's uh it's
3: it's unbelievable how much if you if you have been working on your swing, which I was doing when the uh, when the weather turned, basically, how much of that if you haven't been working on it enough, it just completely goes away. Like I so I've been back to the range twice. The weather's been warm enough and I did like a side by side of the last shots. I was the last like shots I had. Before the winter came and then what I was doing this week and it's like so different. It's such a dumb fucking game. Golf is so hard. It feels it feels easier to just to just accept I'm never going to be an eight handicap and to just be be a shitty bogey golfer for the rest of my life, honestly.
2: See, I, I went into last season as a bogey golfer and then in the summer I was playing like two, three times a week and then I started breaking 80 like it's the more you play, the better you are going to get.
3: Yes. Yeah, and I mean, so much of it is is putting too. Like you know, because amateur putters can be so bad. Like I can I can three putt in you know an entire nine, like a front or back. No oh problem.
2: yes. You, once you start playing, like especially if you play the same course all the time, if you have a membership somewhere, eventually you do learn how to read at least the speed of the greens. So those three putts from twelve feet don't happen very often anymore. You might not be making them, but you're two putting.
3: Yeah. and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support,
0: his venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
3: Uh, have you guys talked about ChatGPT on, uh, on this program yet?
2: We, we have not, although I've been racking my brain, and I'm sure I'm not the only one of how I can incorporate this into what I do so I have to do less work.
3: Well, I mean, every yeah, you're right. Like, literally everyone is doing this, although there's sort of this really fucking annoying uh, Twitter presence of people being like, 10 ways I use ChatGPT to do my job for me, but, like, no one explains how they're actually doing it because the technology is not really there yet, and the thing is, like, pretty much always at capacity right now, and it's not, a lot of it is not updated for, like, 2023 it's like a lot of the data is from like 2021 or whatever but i mean specifically for the stuff you're doing for like daily content for the shows for the newsletter the mail media net newsletter like i don't know we're probably a year away from open ai shit just being able to straight up do that for you
2: yeah well i was thinking i assume that i'm not the only one who had the thought all these affiliate sites be it I don't know, Covers or Vegas Insider or whoever it might be that solely exists for the purposes of rigging SEO, getting you on their site and you using one of their affiliate links to sign up for a sports betting company. Yeah. Couldn't they just, if this technology gets good enough, essentially you just have to have two editors, AI generate every preview and have someone like slightly modify it so it doesn't completely sound like a robot wrote it for you.
3: Yes. I mean, that is, and that doesn't even seem that far away. Like, I don't know here, let's see if I can even get on right now it'll probably be it'll probably be at capacity yeah it's, it's always at capacity it.
2: yeah it's pretty it's mean, pretty cool though I, I like it i think it's super intriguing
3: yeah i mean i think i haven't really done anything cool with it i would like to uh i would like to train it to write twitter threads for me so that i could just the that i could just have it but but it's like i don't want to write twitter threads on like you know eight ways to supercharge your productivity or whatever i would like for it to be niche enough for it to do the fantasy football stuff for me
2: i uh i talked about this on the weekend i won't say with who um but just the prevalence of these mega threads on twitter and how we've kind of seen them i wouldn't say completely go away but you don't see them as much as you saw six months ago for example Uh, It seems like the algorithm prioritizes them less now. And now that when you open up Twitter and it doesn't automatically default to the for you section, it actually defaults to the who you're actually following section that you just don't get randomly assaulted with these threads that you don't give a shit about the entire time. But I saw that you started doing them for fantasy football. I've tried tried one for football and just like I just don't want to do it. But I see how valuable it can be. Like I saw like someone like Sal Vetri. Uh, who just kind of pumps these out. And like he has the perfect idea for it because it grew his uh, Twitter base so big and his Instagram base so big, but he actually has a product to push to uh, yeah. at the same time to really capitalize and monetize that properly. So I thought that was super sharp on his part. And I, I do have the tools and things to push to. I just... It's, I, I don't even know how to get started on something like this or make it intriguing. And I don't mind threads if they're useful threads. That's what I actually liked about yours. Like I didn't find them annoying. I was like, oh, this is information I actually like. So I'm going to read all of these. Yeah. I click, I click on threads. I if
3: I see a thread about, you know, whatever, some shit that interests me. And it doesn't even have to be football related, I'll click on it, I'll read it. I enjoy it. Saves me from having to click to a website, you know, log into the fucking New York Times, Washington Post, whatever. I'm in. Now I don't like the, you know, I've, I've, uh, founded, I've, I've started 11 companies and sold them all for $4 billion. And this, like, that is just like, oh, completely miss me with that.
2: Sure. But that's not for you, right? That's no, for no, people no. that carry out uh, that, those, that carry those grinder about... entrepreneurs. They need yeah, to Yeah.
3: The, gr- the, gr- the grind set people. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm an you entrepreneur. Just, you...
2: I should probably do things. I would like to sell my companies for $4 billion. That'd be nice. Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, you know, then there are some threads out there for you that are going to try and tell you how to do it.
2: But you can actively go seek those out. What I the part that I like, start to get annoyed with is, hey, I'm following Davis and it's almost a stick to sports kind of thing in a different way. But Twitter is so curated for what you want to see that if you're Davis and you're like, hey, here are 26 things you might have missed from week seven of the NFL. okay. Maybe I did miss them. I should probably read this. I'm interested in this. I don't also want to hear Davis talk to me about here are the most elite eight life hacks to really get you going in the morning. Like, I don't care about that. And that will make me like unfollow you. Yeah,
3: I do fucking like that shit. I do. I I know that you do,
2: but I don't follow you for that shit. But I
3: yeah, that's the thing. I'm not tweeting about that stuff. I'm not, I'm not doing because it's like it's a totally separate, it's a totally separate thing.
2: it it Um, is, but I think that people kind of got like, because when some people started doing threads, they were just doing threads about everything.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's like the number one thing on social media is like you got to have an account for the one thing and you can't introduce, like like people who are really big on YouTube will do this. Like people who are really big on YouTube will have like three channels, right? And the main channel will just be the one thing that is their bread and butter that made them mon- their money, that got them their businesses. And then the second channel will be highlights or fucking whatever and then the third channel will be like personal vlogs or but it's just like because it'll it messes with the algorithm if you put in stuff that doesn't align you know it's almost like a, a um, like a DNA chain or something and if you shove something in there that doesn't belong and everything else goes to shit
2: yeah I think Hulk has been really good at that like separating Twitter accounts separating YouTube channels to focus on the things that he wants to talk about but not necessarily yeah Hol- me, Hulk right?
3: has got this shit dialed in like way better than I do
2: yeah Just I I, like Sal and Joe were like the two that I first really unless tons of people do it, obviously, uh, especially in our space. But those were the two that I saw really doing it first. And I think that Holka got kind of his wires crossed at the beginning, tweeting out football stuff and some of the other lifestyle stuff from the same thing. I was like, yeah, I I care about this. I don't really care so much about that. But I think he has two or even three now, like separate ones like this one's football only. This one is this. So you can pick and choose what you actually want to see.
3: Yes, I mean, which is like, I guess, I mean, that's kind of, that's just sort of the overarching thing in, uh, you know, I guess life, because we spend so much of our waking life consuming content, you know, is like picking and choosing what you do want. And, and I, I sort of feel like there's a reckoning coming, actually, just in the, the overall space for everything from multi billion dollar companies down to like YouTube channels, because the it feels like the streaming wars are kind of coming to a head because everyone's losing so much money. Disney is losing billions, billions with a b, and they have the the best Disney has the most successful movie properties in the history of humanity, right? They have the Marvel movies and they have Star Wars movies, and they're losing billions. And Netflix is losing billions, and their solution has been, you know, all this fat like basically fast fashion for TV, right? Something that's popular for 4 days on Twitter and then you, When's the last time you heard someone reference like Squid Game, you know, or or the Jeffrey Dahmer show or whatever? No one cares. And uh, I wonder and and HBO, it's like every time you check on HBO Max, they're laying off 500 more people, you know, and it just it feels like something's
2: got to change. Now, why are they losing money? Is it that they're spending too much money to produce the shows? Or is it was it all of the investment in the infrastructure of the streaming to begin with?
3: It's, it's, so it's, um, the infrastructure for sure with Disney plus specifically it's infrastructure because they started, I mean, what, three years ago, Disney plus didn't or four years ago, Disney plus didn't exist. Right. And so they had to get that, yeah they had to get a Netflix competitor up off the ground, which costs a lot of money. They also spent a lot of money on producing shows. They spent a lot of money on IP, but also they, um, you know, Disney, I think at a certain point assumed they were going to be making money from movies again like I was just talking about this with Brian like Avatar made two billion dollars right it's a lot of money but like imagine if once a year they were also putting out a Star Wars movie that made a billion or two billion or a billion and a half I've changed the bottom line a lot but they're they're just giving it all away you get it for ten bucks a month on Disney plus so it's like they're 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 not maximizing all of their ability to generate revenue
2: interesting I wonder how their model looks like, is it more profitable for them for Avatar to make? I mean, two billion dollars is obviously going to be more profitable for them than almost anything that they do. But is it for like your mid-level movie, let's say, that's not going to make two billion or even a billion. It makes like five hundred million dollars or something like that. Is that worth the cost of like, do the ticket sales outweigh the production cost, the marketing, the whatever split that you need to have? With the actual theater chains themselves, or is it just better to put it on Disney Plus and collect your whatever it is per month? And they'd have all to that charge money goes more right for Disney Plus, like, I think. Because be- what's that? I
3: think they'd have to charge more for Disney Plus for that to make sense.
2: I think so, these but, Marvel but part movies of it, are not part cheap. of it right now. Is like part of the streaming wars is winning the streaming wars. So sure. if if Netflix goes tits up tomorrow, where are those people going to go? Now maybe a lot of people have both, but doubt that they do like i think it's become so expensive to have all these streaming services that people are getting like i dropped paramount plus because it's terrible but i'll probably get it back next month when there's what's
3: what's even Uh, on is it just yellowstone
2: yeah uh, well yellowstone's on it and the challenge all stars is on it which i love so i'm always going to renew my subscription when there's new challenge all star seasons i actually think their model is really good paramount plus yeah, because like they don't really advertise, people don't even know that they have an app. But what they've done yeah. is they've created this one show, Yellowstone, and now all these properties all that the, are like Yellowstone, the, the Yellowstone universe. Yeah, if people will pay for that, like they actually have a product you will pay for, like having all the old real worlds and challenges and these MTV products that you can't find anywhere else outside of Paramount Plus. Like that's that's a huge in for a lot of people. Like the net Netflix losing friends was huge for them.
3: I mean, Netflix losing The Office pretty big for them too. Yeah, they they didn't have. Funny, it's funny because
2: it really doesn't seem like it's helped Peacock.
3: Well, Peacock doesn't have anything else that you want, though. Like, I'm trying to think. uh, I I watch soccer on Peacock. I the thing is, is that I have most of these subscriptions, uh, like. I got like, it's like ever I think, I feel like everyone has, it's like, oh, I got this for this. I got, I got HBO max for free. Cause I have AT&T and my brother-in-law has a login for this. And my dad has a lot, you know, it's like, it's like no one, no one pays for all of them. Although what do you, what do you make of the Netflix, uh, crackdown on, on password sharing? Is this a good idea? Bad idea? Inevitable? What do you, what do you think?
2: So has this happened in the U S yet? Because it's actually happened in Canada. I believe I believe it is not yet enforced in the United States. So I believe that the two countries that they rolled this out in already are Canada and Australia, um, two pretty complacent. I mean, I can't really speak of Australia. I assume because Cust and I were talking about this, that they pick Canada because Canadians are kind of like, okay, I'll buy it. Listen, if it was me and uh, Cust actually made a really good point, which is not something I say often, is that does it make more sense to do this and make people like, cause you can still share accounts, but you have, there's like a way that you have to go in and do it through Netflix yeah, and like you need to be on like annoying. the same Wi-Fi you, once a month. I don't know exactly what you, it is.
3: YouTube TV has had this same thing in place for a while. Cause I share a, a password with my buddy who still lives in Kansas city. And after a while it kicks me off. Then I go to his house in Kansas city every so often and I reset it. And it, it goes back
2: to normal. Yeah, Yeah. That's a hassle. So would it be better to do that with the potential of losing customers? Although I do have a, I don't know. Are you really going to like, it does seem to me in a way that the only customers you're going to lose are the people that weren't paying for fucking Netflix. That weren't paying paying
3: anyway. Yeah.
2: I I see people like I'm canceling my Netflix. We didn't really have Netflix. Yeah. (laughs) Or would uh, it make sense to just double the price for Netflix every month and just let everyone do what they want?
3: Well, they did, right? Netflix did go from nine ninety nine to twenty bucks,
2: right? Then jack it up to thirty bucks.
3: I mean that I, I I actually or at I, least have
2: a feature like, hey, for thirty, if it costs twenty bucks for thirty two bucks a month, you can password share.
3: That's what they did. So that's what they like. They they've tried to they've thrown a bunch of different shit at the wall. So I think initially it was you can keep it nine ninety nine, but you can only log in on one device. And it's then it was uh, and then I think it was. $14.99. You can log into four devices. And then it was, okay, everyone's paying $14.99. Then I think it went to $19.99. I I can't, I, I actually was one of the cheap asses who's like, I am not fucking paying $20 a month for Netflix. I'm not doing it. I canceled. Cause because I barely watch like Netflix has almost nothing that I want to watch on. Cause I just am not interested in. It feels like they're the niche they're doing right now is they are cranking out true crime documentaries and just hoping to get the next viral one you know like that's that's basically their strategy
2: there's a lot of back content on netflix but it, i do agree with you that it doesn't seem like there's anything new that's an absolute must see where it did feel that way for a while where yes. you know some of the movies that were dropping on netflix or i mean just if you were big into house of cards for example like that would be a reason to go get it. i really like mind on netflix oh, uh, both, man. Both and they producers.
3: canceled it and they're never yeah.
2: bringing it back but I just I just saw a headline today. They're never bringing it back. The, the move would be if, if these things actually matter to you and it doesn't matter whether you watch them in real time because it's just a dump anyway that I mean, the Stranger Things would be an example of this, too. Like just wait six months, get Netflix for a month, watch whatever you want to watch and then cancel it again and, and wait six it. months and come back to yeah. it. Like that's it. And you're seeing this more and more that you're not seeing a straight dump of content, which I never liked to begin with. It's one of the reasons like for this golf Netflix show, I do I released two a week, one a week, like part of the idea would be that you want to inspire some conversation about it. Let it build yes. a little bit. Right. And then if people are doing what I just said and waiting six months and you know, logging back on in order to see what they've missed. And it could be like 12 shows or something like that that are all completely released. At least if you staggered the release a little bit, then it feels like it would keep, it would compel people to keep their memberships. Like, well, you know, I'm half, three quarters of the way through this season. Doesn't end until next month. Better keep it for this month. And you lose that back and forth. And, you know, part of it, I mean, it, listen, their numbers are better than mine. Anecdotal evidence on anything. I'm sure they know what they're doing. But, and I know that something like Succession doesn't have a really high, viewership rate like it just doesn't but it feels important because it's still staggered when it comes out it comes on the, the prime sunday night spot on hbo there's one a week so you can watch one and then i can talk about it with you and then i can watch the next one and we can repeat the same process i do feel like as consumers we miss that i you told me that the the star wars show uh was and or did that they were like three a week or something or three every few weeks
3: it was it was three originally so the first three episodes all came out as one because they were kind of in concert. It was kind of like a ninety, maybe a little bit longer than I ninety. Mean. It's kind of like a movie, and then the rest of it was once weekly.
2: And do you feel like I, that I, helped? The, do you feel like that both hundred percent helped, the, helped yes. the show, your interest in it, and just the media that could be surrounded with it? Yeah, because the
3: the shows I mostly look forward to in my life as a thirty year old now are these Star Wars shows, uh, you know, Mandalorian and or whatever. And I spend more time thinking about engaging, talking about these shows than, you know, whatever, some, some shit that got dumped out, uh, you know, Archer, whatever. Like I went, I, I think I watched season 13 of Archer in one night. I, I, mean, did, I, didn't,
2: I didn't even realize there was a this. I think I watched like the first seven seasons of Archer and I thought it got canceled. I didn't realize Watch. there were six more seasons.
3: It's so good, dude. That's probably, it's one of my favorite. I mean, oh, I loved Archer. Uh, Is it H, still H, good? H, 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 yeah, I mean, I I H John Benjamin just in anything is kind of he's the greatest. Yeah, but I I do I I think the I think the that's one of the biggest things Netflix has gotten wrong is is the now I think originally it helped them I think originally having every content all available you just rip all the way through and I think they kind of learned their lesson with Stranger Things where they made you. They made you wait. I think it was a month in between the release of the first six episodes and the final two. And I think that undeniably made things better.
2: I would still even think stagger two a week or one a week instead of dropping six and then two later. Because then that will piss some people off who do want to binge through it. At least the other way, you can't really be mad because you can't binge through it. You have to wait the week or the four days. Or Instead of doing like every Saturday or every Friday drop, you could do a, a Monday and Thursday kind of thing and try to dominate a six-week period if you have 12 episodes and just kind of keep the motor running on that and keep people interested in talking about it but it is that water cooler fact that nothing really like that i mean during the pandemic that was great for tiger king we legit had nothing to do and could sit at home all day uh, i'd work and be like well nothing's open might as well just binge through some more tiger yeah king. might as
3: well just watch some tv
2: yeah. but, but it's hard on the creators too like because part of the marketing audience for all of this are people like you and I who are talking about these shows publicly and trying to engage with yeah. an audience to talk about them. And not everyone's on the same watching schedule. Like even me, I, I know most people have binged through this golf Netflix show. I've made it through three. I don't love it. I don't want to sit. I don't want it to feel like homework that I have to fucking finish this in a two day period when you know I wouldn't mind banging out one or two a week kind of thing. And that's just how I'm going to choose to watch it, which is going to put me out of a discussion for it in a weird way, which sucks.
3: No, I, that's like, that's a huge thing. I, cause I think, and I think that is, is what they're, they're sort of fighting against because for your show to be really successful, it does need to be picked up in sort of the, the culture, right? It's got to be part of the capital T, capital C, the conversation. And I think it's so much harder to like, you could be, if you drop it all at once, you could be a part of, the conversation for like what let's say four days a week maybe where it's like everyone's like oh my god you watch the the golf netflix show oh brooks he's a real sad bitch joel damon you know he's a real interesting fella and then that's it and it's just it's just vanished from the cultural conscious like squid game right squid game was like you, i mean i never watched it but everyone was like oh my god it's Squid game you got it it's amazing when's the last time you heard someone say anything about the fucking squid game like well, there was that
2: there. will ferrell commercial at the super bowl that had like this squid game parody that's how you know you've made it when super bowl commercials are parodying i, your... I
3: get shit i guess i didn't even pick up on that
2: uh well i, th- I think it was the will ferrell yeah, it was the will ferrell commercial when he progressively like, became a zombie i think it was for Tesla. oh yeah
3: yeah okay yes
2: it was yeah. for some sort of electric car i think but you it worked when netflix was the only game in town because you would go and binge one of these shows, it would be awesome. But then you would have all of these comfort meal shows that were on Netflix that you could just keep watching Netflix. You could watch them. And that, and now they're or everywhere. friends or whatever it was, these shows yes. that you knew that in between something new dropping, you would stay on Netflix and continue watching them. And then you just don't have those anymore.
3: Yeah. No, and which I mean it does like uh it just kinda it does kind of suck to not have the comfort food shows all in one place but especially sucks for netflix who had they had some foresight and some forethought could have avoided all of this and they could have negotiated better for themselves and kept the rights to these shows for way longer but they didn't and kind of stinks for them
2: yeah and it kind of fucked the industry too because because of the success that the office and friends had on as as a part of their netflix run nbc was like peacock can't miss we have these two properties that everyone wants to watch
3: and then turns out you got to also have some original programming to go with. And then also it turns out there just is like a finite number of people available to, to pay for streaming platforms.
2: Yeah. So you box out some of the audience anyway, and Netflix isn't releasing banger after banger show anymore. So it's not essential that you have it. So whatever the streaming service is that has the best shows at the time, like it, it seemed like a really bad strategy at first, although it seems to be paying dividends now is like apple plus seems to have the best shows on tv now
1: i
3: mean yeah they got it they got ted lasso they got severance everyone likes that
2: yeah they they don't make a ton of shows but it does seem like the shows i mean they're not all good obviously but it seems like they're trying to not just have this content factory where there's just something 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 like netflix has. they're taking more of the hbo approach of like hey whenever we put something out it's at least going to be quality whether it's good or not that's on i mean it's obviously on us but you as the viewer to see if this aligns with your taste or not like i think succession's an awesome show i know people who think that show is absolutely terrible like it all depends on what taste you have but you can watch and be like this is a well-acted show this is a highly produced show and i'm glad there aren't 30 of these that exist i'm glad that's sort of like a singular thing where nothing on netflix actually feels singular anymore
3: you no. Know, and I mean, just like, honestly, the thing underscoring all of this is that there are just too many fucking shows, and there's not enough time. No one has the the energy, you know? Um, it, it's like, yeah, there are just too many shows. We, we live in a time. And, and that's before even getting into people watching, you know, like TikTok and Instagram Reels are like taking up a huge or like a way greater percentage of people's literal visual space than anything else. It's like, it's like absolutely compounding the problems that these netflix shows are having and that's before getting into like youtube and podcasts and stuff too
2: yeah because i think it's all dependent on the person like i i just i can't get into tiktok it doesn't like someone will like send me a tiktok be like hey yeah. you might like this and i'll watch it but i I don't ever feel compelled to go boop and watch the next one sometimes right. on instagram reels i can fall into a hole of the algorithm really coming at me of like golf tips <laughs>
3: Yes, but I mean, that's
2: that's kind of it. I'm not watching that for fucking 30 minutes. Like, I'll blow my brains out.
3: I get I get in the I I get in a bad rut of like, holy shit, I've just been I literally just stared at my tiny little rectangle, maybe even on mute for like 10 minutes. Like, what are you doing, man? You got to snap out of it. It's no good.
2: Like my media suck of choice is just I listen to so many podcasts.
3: That's that is my preferred. That is my preferred
2: media. Like, I.
3: I. Like, my favorite podcast, I like more than any TV show, for sure.
2: Yeah, well, there's a, it it feels more, although it's a complete parasocial relationship that you have with these things. It feels more personal. It feels more personal. And even someone commented to Jeff and I that, like, I really don't care. It's like, I don't really care for golf, but, like, when you guys do your show, it feels like I'm hanging out with the people that I know. And that's the vibe that I've always tried to have. On my show, just like we're doing now, we didn't come up with a fucking agenda for the show. We just started talking. You asked me about live golf, and now we're here on streaming boards. This is, and I think that's the whole point of like the show. That's Again, what, like that's I, what I.
3: That's what I like about all like every show that I'm like when I refresh my podcast app in the morning, I'm like, what do I got to listen to today? It's like. of them, I'm like, I don't care what you're talking about. I just like, I just want to hang out in a very, again, in a very one way parasocial. Well, like kind of like one, one way mirror way. I just want to hang out with you.
2: Yeah, because it reminds you of being with your friends or, and I I mean, it's funny. I was talking to the footballers a little bit uh, at that conference and I was kind of joking with them. It's like, you know, in like 2014, we had exactly the same level of show. Like, we had the same amount of subs. We had the same amount of everything. It's like, and you guys 100x me. And I do think that it is, I mean, listen, I I love the footballers. And it's not uh, anything like that. But, like, we're two very specific types of thing uh, covering the same sorts of thing. Like, they really do stick to football really well. And they have that other feed, too, for the spitballers, which is kind of funny. Which is almost sort of like what Cuss Corner is for me. It's just the difference between me... And Andy, Jason and Mike is like, they're kind of like positive, happy, nice people where my show is just full of mean humor. And that's just, it's not widely appealing. And I really do think, and listen, having three people working on something rather than one is always going to be helpful. Their tech backgrounds really help and they have an excellent product. And the name fantasy footballers really helped in 2014 when people good, were searching good, fantasy good football. SEO. Yeah, it was great built-in SEO. I don't know like if it would matter now, but it mattered then. And they just went to the moon. Like, I, Lord knows how much money they make a year, but it's got to be over is time.
3: SEO is SEO even still like a huge thing?
2: Yes, yes, it is. I don't really know much about it anymore. Yeah. I knew a bunch uh, about it in 2013, 2014, and what, right. but it's always changing, right? So yeah. the people that really take advantage of SEO are the people who are on top of it and figure out the new way that the algorithm is going to detect what you're searching for. And it seems to be like different word counts, different keywords, metadata, all this shit that I just don't want to learn.
3: Oh, man. SEO, SEO in, in the AI search world. There you go. That's going to be a whole new frontier is, is like, figuring out how to get your information in, into these chatbots.
2: But, but it's funny because I think one of the big keys to their show is they always have the same three guys on. it. Oh, that yeah. If you like those people you're just really inclined to go hang with them because they do feel like three of your friends. Whereas, I mean, the me, Jeff and Tim show does by far the best numbers on the Pat Mayo experience podcast feed. And it's a similar dynamic, but we only do it once a week where me and you are doing a show together. Like I just have a different series of guests that come in and out. Although I saw my numbers really increase bigly this year um, just by having the same five people basically on, once a week for the same show during football season. Like, remember my DraftKings show used to be, I'd have you on twice a year, three times a year. I'd have Pete on. I'd have Levitan on, whoever it is. But now I just do it with Tambo every single week in studio, and it's great. Not to say that the other shows were bad, but people like the dynamic of me doing it with one person. People
3: like to know what to expect. It's the reason why people watch season three of The Office for the 97th time in a row instead of watching the first season of Severance or whatever, you know.
2: They yep. like they like what they like. Yeah, and they like the yeah familiarity is the big thing and the consistency that comes along with it. And it took me a while to learn that because I mean there was one year where I think I did almost four hundred shows and I think I had like two hundred and ninety different guests across those shows. <laughs>
3: Seems like a bit much coordinating yeah. all that. Real hassle.
2: Well, it's a lot easier now during football that I know the exact time and the exact people they're going to be on a show for eighteen weeks. Really, really cut down on the pat Mayo planning time
3: yeah um do you do you watch any youtube no yeah that's like that's like kind of new to my content diet it's 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 a little bit interesting i mean i just find these people who make their livings off of youtube kind of fascinating you mean like me like, well i mean no i mean your your thing is like more it's like you have you have business deals you have affiliate deals yeah but you don't like think you,
2: the, you don't think that these people do as well
3: no no i do I do. But some of these people, it just feels like if the algorithm decides to be unkind to you for like a month, your whole fucking life is changed. You know what I mean? Which I I think is kind of interesting.
2: Well, it it all really depends on the amount of subs that you have. Like if if you have enough subs, it's never really going to make that big of a difference. But the way to get the subs in the first place is to have the algorithm work in your favor. Like we were buried in the algorithm for like eight months and we barely got any new subs. Like What the fuck is going on here? And yeah. then uh, I was talking to one of my producers. He's like, oh yeah, we had something tagged wrong in the back end and like deleted it. And then all of a sudden we started gaining subs again.
3: <laughs> I mean, that it's just, oh, dude.
2: It's, all it's funny that dis- so, much, so much of your business can hinge on something like this. And I feel like, when remember when everyone was panicked that Twitter was going to go away? I was like, I started thinking to myself, like what would happen to my business if Twitter went away? And actually, because I got shadow banned as well for a while. And I couldn't post anything on Twitter for days on end for like really? six, six days or something like that. When was that? Uh, it was January at some point. Huh. In but, are you a Twitter really,
3: art? Do you play for tw- Twitter Blue?
2: No, I don't. I, I thought that's how I was going to have to get unbanned was pay for I Twitter. mean, I,
3: I would tell anyone out there if you're in the business of content, whatever at all, you got to do it because your account is getting like shadow man basically if you're not like you're you're yeah, but i, I legit
2: like people couldn't search me on twitter anymore like i was gone
3: damn that's and crazy just,
2: dude I, I got someone to look into it they're like yeah just don't post anything like try to post anything for like three days and you should be back and that actually turned out to be the case that was helpful but it did like i used to kind of spam tweet my shows all the time it never it didn't actually make any difference on the numbers the shows did what the shows did
3: no, I, I, I've i actually noticed that same thing too. Like barely anyone's clicking through to your links and stuff from from Twitter.
2: I find that Twitter is very helpful in things like selling Fantasy National or selling runthesims.com. If you're yeah. into the XFL or not, or just want to pick off easy lines on the XFL, highly recommend runthesims.com, by the way. There we, we were, go. One Josh Gordon, like I was talking to Justin, I just did an XFL show. I was talking to Justin, I was talking to Paul, my producer, like we all had like all of our prize picks and props because prize picks is like the only place that's giving out XFL lines. Sure. Super soft. If you know what you're doing and the Josh Gordon under was like the play of the weekend. So we had all these five leg parlays, six leg parlays, all tied to Josh Gordon and they he got had, the, the fourth and say, 15 get... onside kick. Right. Had like 25 yards on the final drive. And he was, I think 19 away like he was he was done. Like we, we were catching all this money. Then they got they got the onside kick play and just threw to Josh Gordon all the way down the field, and we got fucked on this last one. I think Justin it cost him over ten k. Cost Paul like fifteen thousand dollars. Cost me like eight thousand dollars. We all sudden ended up winning on the week, but like that one thing, everything else was right, and that shouldn't have happened. But because of this kind of awesome XFL rule.
3: Yeah, this this rule okay. is au- this rule is awesome. I'm I'm 100% in favor of this rule.
2: If if you were an NFL team and the rule is instead of an onside kick, you're just fourth and 15 from like your own whatever it is, 25, from your own 25. Okay. If you were like the Chiefs, would you just do this every time?
3: I think you'd go for it every time.
2: Yeah. I think that there is going to be a strategy like that. Like fuck it, we're going for it.
3: What I mean, what is? What, yeah, it's like it's like okay. I mean, Jordan Ta'amu's odds of getting fourth and fifteen are probably pretty low. But like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, their odds of getting a fourth and fifteen are probably, I mean, definitely greater than ten percent, right? So then, yeah, yeah like, I,
2: I mean, yes. I mean, we just for the amount of fourth and longs that we've seen these guys go through in critical moments, yeah, yeah, you would have to think. But let's just let's be generous and call it fifteen percent. I mean you know sharper people than I do that can run the like the quantum so abundance. so it
3: would be so it would be you'd have to you'd have to get your uh expected points from just the average drive starting from the 40 uh what what but, is what is your and, but, and, but and yeah
2: but there are other factors that go into this as well right because obviously just because you get this doesn't mean you automatically score points so that would have to factor into it and if yes, you did
3: expected points yeah but per if drive. you
2: did but if you but if you didn't if you do get it that's just one fewer possession the other team has to score on you as well, right?
3: Yeah, so you're even subtracting expected points from the other team. From so the it'd, other be, team, it'd
2: be, but if you don't get it, you turn over the ball on your own twenty nine yard line. Can your defense hold up enough times to hold them to a field goal to make it? Yeah, how, well? it's
3: like it's a really cool to math problem goal. to think about. Yeah, there, there. I mean, there would be someone who could solve this in like an hour, oh, probably. Sure.
2: I, I, I'm not that person.
3: Yeah, me, me neither. I was just thinking. So it's like roughly, it's like. The value of a drive for your team subtracted by the value of a drive for the other team starting from the 25 added by the negative points of a team's or just no, you'd you just subtract. Fuck, I don't know. There we go. Yeah, this is you and I are you and I are not the people to be solving this. I'm going to I'm going to message someone after the show and see if they can figure it out.
2: Because it, it would just be interesting. And I, I bet you that we were i going to reframe you there on the screen. You got a bit of a lean going all day. I've been trying to get you back in. I stopped looking at it for a second. Yeah, well, I was very engaged in sure. the conversation. But maybe 15% is too generous. Maybe we're just being overly optimistic. And we're talking about the very best of the best doing this.
3: Well, like, right. And I mean, in the XFL, it's going to be way lower. Although I guess it's not going to be that much lower because the defenders are also not as good
2: yeah like you're you're not asking zach wilson to get you your fourth and 15
3: where's where's cuss at? well who does cuss want to be the quarterback of the jets next year car rogers well, who does, oh no if,
2: if they get rogers they're winning the super bowl i've been told so
3: okay all right well good for him i mean i'm i hope he's really looking forward to that gotta be gotta be i just i can't imagine how dumb you'd have to be to be a good football player and be like you know what i want to do i want to go play in the afc it's like it's got it's the NFC is like one good team, and the AFC has uh, like four future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, all under the age of twenty seven. Just feels like a bad idea to go play there.
2: It may be a disaster, but if Rogers does go to the Jets, I do think it makes the Jets Super Bowl contenders because they're oh, totally like they're if their O line when healthy is very good, their defense is really good.
3: Uh, yeah, and I mean, look, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. Corey Davis, they're all, I mean, Garrett Wilson's a mega stud. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't want to play against Patrick Mahomes. Like he just wins. Just wins every year. Just doesn't feel like I'd want to play two, that guy. two of the
2: past five years.
3: Oh, he's made the AFC conference championship every year of his career.
2: That doesn't. Sure, feel like but I mean, that's no so different than what through. Brady did for two decades.
3: Well, yeah, and I wouldn't have wanted to play. I would have wanted to go play in the NFC then too. I wouldn't have wanted to play against Brady every year.
2: Yeah, I I think playing in New York and being successful in New York as the last thing that you do in your career could be highly profitable if you're successful for your post-career work.
3: Rogers doesn't even care, bro. He just wants to drink his ayahuasca tea and chill out.
2: I have a theory that this is not a complete act, but it's close to an act. Like he's just doing a bit on
3: everyone. I I mean, are we all just to some degree doing bits?
2: I honestly think he is the most bored person alive.
3: I mean, he could be. When's the last time he played a meaningful game? He, he hadn't played in a Super Bowl since 2010.
2: So you say when, when when you play in like NFC championship games, those aren't meaningful games to you, even if you lose them?
3: <laughs> I, I I think when you are someone who considers themselves maybe the greatest, or like because there was a time, there was a time not that long ago when we were saying Rodgers could be the greatest of all time. You know, he could be, he, he could have broken all these records, won all these Super Bowls, like we were, And to think of yourself that way, and then to go to a sustained period where you're seeing Brady keep winning, and then all these new guys come in and they win before you, I I feel like I feel like honestly, probably the only thing that matters is a Super Bowl.
2: It it is. It's funny. Like if you were to do like the the best of all time rankings, and like you have people down on the list, like Rodgers obviously is probably not even like sniffing the top five of that anymore however no. when you watch the games i do think it is you know the watch the game the film film crowd you know, like i think that results based is always going to determine what these rankings lists are but like sure. in the yeah. in the moment watching quarterbacks play i think is such a different conversation like in no world are manning and brady as good as rogers they just aren't no no
3: no Rodgers, rogers i think had rogers I, I, it's like it's hard to say whose fault it is, but I mean, just had things gone a little bit, a couple bounces of the ball this way or the other, he could have been Brady, right? He could have won seven championships and all, you know, whatever. Yeah.
2: And it's funny to think of someone like Jim Kelly, who goes to four Super Bowls in a row. If the Bills just win two of those, he is yeah. kind of commonly known as like a top, like he, they didn't even put him in the top 10 of quarterbacks of all time. I mean, four Super Bowls in a row he just didn't win it. He wins two of them. He's like the fourth best quarterback of all time, but of that era, even though Elway ended up getting two, who's also ranked inside the top five, everyone who lived through that period, I didn't, kind of agrees that Marino was by far the best of those guys.
3: That's that's kind of coming back now. The Marino stuff is coming back now because his numbers, when you adjust for the era, are so ridiculous but, compared but it, to the I, other I guys. Don't worry,
2: I don't even concern myself about the numbers. It's more of the, hey, it's fourth and 15. Who's going to make this play for me and throw the ball exactly where they need to? It's like, oh, Marino.
3: Yeah. I mean I I didn't I didn't live through it then. I didn't live through it then either, but yeah. I mean I I just from watching the limited stuff I've watched of them, you, you that uh, and um uh uh Steve Young to me uh, was the guy watching who I just be like that guy looks nuts. That guy looked like he was so freaking good. Obviously I didn't live through the steve young experience but yeah
2: that, that was sort of like sort of my entry point in a lot of ways to football was steve young in like the the early 90s mid 90s era but like he essentially just had lamar's skill set 20 years before lamar when no one did it
3: yeah which is crazy i mean it's crazy to think about
2: like, like even now like if if Mahomes retired tomorrow would you have him as a top five quarterback ever? From just watching him, I would say yes. Yeah,
3: I would say he's. I I would say even if 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 he suffered a career-ending accident tomorrow or whatever, he's top five all time. No, no question. But but
2: he but he wouldn't
3: be considered that way.
2: As time went on,
3: it would sort of depend, right? I I guess I guess it would it would de- it you know. I mean obviously like this is such a theoretical conversation but if you if you put him on any kind of trajectory although I guess we did just put Rodgers on that trajectory and then he ended up there we accomplishing there like I,
2: I, I talked about this on I think the Super Bowl show that um I wanted the Chiefs to win cuz I don't want to sit here 10 years from now if Mahomes never gets another Super Bowl another one. and hear about how yeah. he wasn't actually that good cuz I think he's fucking awesome
3: <laughs> Yeah I mean well uh, the, the the and this is very far down there but if Mahomes' career trajectory stays, let's even say twenty percent standard deviation either way of what he's on now and he plays 13 more seasons, a conversation we're gonna have if he continues this sustained excellence and wins a lot of Super Bowls is well, he's actually he can't be the GOAT. He can't he can't possibly be because he lost to Brady in the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, be be, like, it's it's like the LeBron conversation.
3: Nothing nothing to me is more annoying than than LeBron conversations. Probably it's probably like, I just like it's to me, it's LeBron conversations are just as annoying as political conversations.
2: Yeah. And there's clearly no right answer, but I will tell you this, that if social media had existed in the nineties, Jordan wouldn't be anyone's number one player. Everyone would fucking hate Jordan. He was a dickhead. Yeah, but he was a dickhead in a fun way because you didn't get to see that much. Or like the stories are like, man, that guy's such an asshole. It, like the tiger stories that you used to hear like 20 years ago, like what an asshole this guy is. But that's, they were all kind of like hearsay. And he would just wasn't actively in your life every day being an being asshole. Being so it's So yeah. it seemed kind of compelling where like LeBron's not an asshole. He's just he's kind of he's, a weirdo.
3: He's kind of a weirdo.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It just makes people not like him.
3: It's sort of, it's actually sort of insane to me that LeBron is even as close to his normal as he is considering how bizarre his life must be.
2: I I think that he has had a very good team around him to begin with, and they've kind of coached him through like, he seems very manufactured, even with the way that he talks to the public, what his career is like. I'd be really curious to know what a candid LeBron is actually like.
3: I would be, I would be, uh, I would be as well. Um, where, where did you guys land on tiger getting canceled for uh for for JT getting a tampon after out driving him
2: uh we we talked about it a little bit uh I, I sort of had a the, the Kramer analogy when it came down to it but someone did point out it's like I actually heard more of people saying people shouldn't be offended by this than actually hearing from people who were offended by this like uh, and that's not wrong because the majority of the golf space that I was in, like who fucking cares and that's where I landed too like outrage points are just people something to draw eyeballs to yourself on social media and i don't think i articulated this quite right on the monday show when i was talking about jeff but it's like on seinfeld you have kramer and you have levels inside of your house and i believe that we've talked about this before and like what happened to trump when trump would say that all mexicans are rapists something to get very outraged about when trump tweets out a picture of him like happy Cinco de Mayo. And he's like eating a burrito. Not the same level of outrage is required for both of those things, but people right. have the same amount of outrage for both of those things. And then once start people start seeing a wild amount of outrage about really trivial and stupid stuff that no one should care about, then it kind of makes all of the stuff that you should care about meaningless in a weird way. And that's how this tiger thing feels like this is not something to be outraged about. It's, a, it's fucking some rich asshole trying to be an asshole to his friend on the golf course you know what i mean like it wasn't it was it was not meant to hurt anyone outside of justin thomas and just like make him feel like shit in the moment and i know you could argue that from the other way say hey you're putting down uh it's a completely misogynistic kind of thing to do and that's not wrong but it's also such low stakes that it really doesn't matter my
3: primary takeaway, and I just wanted this to be officially on the record in in the annals of both the Takecast and and PME forever, is there is nothing worse to me than fucking golf banter. I just it just it sickens me, man. And because I so I live, I don't live by myself, but I I move to a city where I don't have any buddies who golf. Right, all my golfing buddies live back in Kansas City. So a lot of the time when I play, I book a tee time. I'm I'm the guy, right? I'm the guy who shows up, hey, whatever, I'm, I'm with you guys today. And I just know I'm going to have a fucking zero out of 10 terrible time when it's when you're with the, oh, that's one, you oh. know, type, type. It's just like, oh, it fucking hurts. kill me, man. I just, I cannot do 18 holes of your, of your banter. I just, I, it, that it's the worst. It's the worst part about golf to me, for sure.
2: Yeah, but like the Tiger passing off like the tampon to JT because he out him. I mean, is it really all that different when someone leaves a putt short and be like, oh, bring your purse? No, no. Like, it's and it's just... like, but, it, but it's like,
3: I just want it on the record. I hate all of that. It's just all, it's so tired. It's so but boring. It,
2: it, you're tired of it. You're bored of it, but does not morally offend you?
3: No. No. And I'm not. I'm also not in the position of getting morally offended by a fucking old rich guy. You know, it's like it's like Tiger and I literally probably have nothing in common. Like were Tiger and I to go to dinner together. I literally don't know what we would talk about. Like we got we got we share nothing because I don't even think Tiger likes to gamble, really.
2: I mean, it it looks like you're training with the Navy SEALs these days. Uh, You guys could talk about that.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, that's probably the most interesting thing is I'd ask him what, how he fucking lifts weights with a bad back. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like it's like tight. It's like yeah. Uh, it's, it, Tiger is is so far removed from what like a normal person's life is. He can't. I, yeah. He's just he's just like an old arthritic sex addict. You know. He's got he's got nothing to teach future generations.
2: It actually seems like he's more comfortable with himself these days. Like he seems happier when you see him, as opposed to when you yeah you, when I see him I 15 think that's years it. ago.
3: I think that's true, actually. Yeah, it does. It does seem like he's a little bit looser,
2: you know, whatever. It
3: it seems like he's uh, enjoyed making buds with some of these younger guys, with like JT and Rory and stuff.
2: True. And it seems like he really enjoys being a dad, like a, an actual, like, involved dad, which is not something I would have ever guessed from Tiger.
3: It's very, I mean, it's it's that's sort of strange for, um, you know, like uh, really high-level athletes. Normally they're not very good parents
2: yeah and but I guess when you haven't really played a full-time schedule in thirteen years, then you can do that,
3: <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true. Do you think you think he'll ever uh, win another tournament? yeah, I do. I probably would set it right about even money both sides, you know because
2: I like the stock answer is just no, but not putting anything fucking past this guy.
3: well, it's just more it's more. I think he he probably knows himself pretty well and his game pretty well and he would i think he would just hang it up if he truly thought there were no chance
2: yeah like, i'm surprised he still plays the u.s open he has zero chance of competing at a u.s open unless maybe it's at pebble because that's a very short course but most u.s open courses are just too long and the rough is too long for him to like wrench his back and just be cooked so it's either the masters or it's an open championship like those are the two shots he has players yeah. maybe too
3: yeah and i mean masters is like uh you know i mean he it's so it's a, it's a bad walk for him, but so many guys are drawing dead at the Masters just because they don't know how to manage the course appropriately.
2: Yeah, and it's not a course that requires like bombers. Yeah, of course that's important, but I mean, there's a reason that Bernhard Langer can be in a final group at 56 or something.
3: Yeah, I mean he is still uh, smoking the ball.
2: You know, he I mean, like he's crushing he's, it. Yeah, he's better than JT.
3: Yeah, <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil Phil too is, is still smoking the ball. They've just uh, they've just lost some accuracy basically
2: yeah all right that that was fun we got an hour and a half out of this
3: yeah i mean i think we you know we solved some of the world's woes you know we we hopefully we hung out with people for a while hope it was good hope people liked it
2: that's the goal so um if people are listening to this on the take cast come subscribe to the pat mayo experience Uh, i'm doing uh lulls with with brian and pete tomorrow i think oh that's fun yeah you have i don't know what to expect
3: yeah, I was actually going to say, I think me, you and Brian at some point should do a show together. I think I think that would be I think that would be pretty interesting. Yeah,
2: this will be a nice feeling out process with with Pete there being sort of the intermediary uh, between the two of us. But I, I love your episodes with Brian. I think they're
0: awesome.
3: Yeah, Brian is Brian is probably one of my favorite dudes to talk to. I, I think uh, proving once and for all, I'm at least a woke lib that will uh, that will listen to a non woke lib speak. I'm, I'm not I'm not as close minded as it gets.
2: And we'll see about that.
3: Yeah, we'll see. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you're listening to this on the TakeCast feed, make sure that you are subscribed to the PME. And uh, we'll be back next week.
1: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.